Amen. I'm sure glad you came. Why don't you grab your Bibles and we'll get right into the Word this morning. I have a few things I want to get into. Uh, we're living so close to the coming of the Lord. You know, Colleen and I, as we travel, uh, we were in Australia uh, about a month ago for a week. Then we we're in Germany for a week. And we try to go overseas a few times a year. We're going back overseas this fall. You feel the urgency of how close we are to the coming of the Lord. There's almost been a desensitization even in the church that I don't believe the Lord's coming real soon because we've been hearing it all our lives. But there's marked things that happen in our generation that show that He's coming very, very soon. I'm not preaching on end times this morning, but we have some things that we can look at that show us that God has to kind of move us as a church quickly. Because he's coming so soon. We're, we are the generation that Jesus is coming back. And people get real nervous when you say that. But Jesus said, if you see the fig tree bud and, and Jerusalem won back, he said the generation that sees that will not pass away to all is fulfilled. So whether you're comfortable with that or not, it really doesn't matter. Hallelujah. But there, there's a whole lot of other things that have happened than that. The, the Hebrew language restored. The revival of the Roman Empire. There's all these things that have happened. The Ethiopian Jews brought back. All these things that are indicative of our uh, lifetime. That the Bible says the group of people that sees those events will not pass away. So we're a very specialized uh, group. Uh, over the last 30 or 40 years, you've seen God invest in the church who we are in Christ. I dare say probably, even though I don't know everybody, you probably know who you are in Christ better than any generation ever. I mean, this morning we know that who we are, that greater is He that's in us than He that's in this world. We know that we're redeemed from the curse of the law. We know that greater is He that's in us than He is in the world. We know that whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. We know that. God has quietly, secretly just invested that in the church to where if you're hungry, you could get it. I remember years ago my mom got a hold of this and we got kicked out of our denominational church. They had a board meeting to boot us out. Hallelujah. Because we got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And, and it's amazing how God would quietly kind of invest the baptism of the Holy Ghost, invest who we are in Christ to get a group of people that would know their God and they would be strong and they would do exploits. So I want to get into some things this morning that help us cooperate with God and kind of speed up the mentality to let Him use us. Remember, this whole season is how to get it through you, not just to you. We've had 30-some-odd years how to get it to us. It's about being a vessel now. Come on. It's about unselfishness. It's about, it's about thinking for others. It's about love. It's about mercy. It's about kindness. Hallelujah. That's good. You always shout when we say that, don't we? Hallelujah. Woo! Thank God for mercy. He had mercy on us. Let's function just like Him. Let's have mercy on others. Hallelujah. So grab your Bibles there, and you just turn wherever you think you ought to turn. We'll see if you're flowing. Come on. And uh, why don't you grab your Bibles there and turn to... We'll start with the book of John. I kind of want to pick up where we left off last night and see if we can go further, and we'll just see where we land. Let's pray, and we'll get right into the Word this morning. I promise I won't sing something off my... Greatest Hits album. Hallelujah. Let's just get right into the Word. Hallelujah. Father, we love you this morning. We're so grateful for what you've done in this church, Lord, over the years. Thank you for blessing Pastor Mark and Amy and their family and, and, and sending them here to plant this church and to start it. And Lord, we thank you for such a, 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 a thought pattern of increase, a thought pattern of overflow. We thank you for the momentum over the years this church has and how, Father, we will reach this whole region. This will be a lighthouse of the glory of the Lord, the mercy of God flowing from this place. Lord, we thank you for your presence upon this church. We thank you for the destiny and the call of this church. We thank you for it being amplified in this hour. That the call of this church would be made known even clearer and clearer. That what we are called to do is to reach this whole region for Jesus. That Jesus would be magnified. He'd be exalted. He'd be lifted up. That, Father, we could come to this place and see that he is alive forevermore. 
That, Father, we would see him this morning as he is, high and lifted up, his train filling the temple. We thank you for your glory, Father, your presence, your manifested presence in our midst. We don't take it for granted that you're with us, you're in us, you're among us. We love you, we magnify you, we glorify you. This morning, we have a spirit of thankfulness for all that you have done for us. So we thank you in the short days ahead, before the coming of the Lord, that we would launch out that there would be an operation of the glory of the Lord in all of our lives. Activities from heaven. There would be a heavenly mentality to cooperate with you, Father. That we would yield to you. We would operate with you. You would speak through all of our mouths. You would look through all of our eyes. You would use our hands in the earth. We thank you for that. We thank you for these vessels that are here this morning. Blessings upon them, their lives, everything they set their hand to, their households, their marriages, their children. Father, every person in this room, I thank you that they are blessed. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. Amen. Grab your Bibles there and turn to John, and we'll pick up right where we left off last night. Go to John chapter 7. And if you got your Bible there, look at verse 37, a verse that we've heard many times before. But I want to get into some other things. You know, the last three or four times I was here, I preached on different things that are a platform for the power of God to flow through you. The name of Jesus, boldness, authorization, simplistic authority, things that we know very well and have heard many, many times, but sometimes we haven't realized that God has invested those things in us to give us a bold platform for the Holy Ghost to flow through us. Hallelujah. So I want to pick up with all those messages where we left off and go to John 7, and let's look at verse 37. He says, In that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Hallelujah. We're thirsty this morning, aren't we? Verse 38, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now I like this. He said in verse 38, He that believeth on me. How many of you this morning believe on him? You know, I'm not really believing on a move. I'm not really believing on a call. I'm believing on Him. I want to lift Him up. I'm believing on that He came up out of the grave. I'm not believing on a message. I'm believing that Jesus came up out of the grave and He's the same today. So we believe on Him. We trust in Him. It's the entrance of His Word that gives light. So we've, we've had light over the years. We've had an entrance of Him. So there's a new awareness of Him. It's all about He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we believe on Him. And Jesus said, if we believe on Him, something would come out of us. He said, out of your belly would flow, not maybe, would flow rivers, plural, of living water. A substance would come out of you that would bring grace and bring presence to other people. I don't know about you, I I don't want to have that thought pattern, I've got a droplet of life. You know, I have a river of life, a torrent. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, that's where we get the word Niagara. It's a torrent of the glory of God that's supposed to flow out of us. Not a droplet. I like this one pastor up in Oregon. He said in the meeting in Tulsa years ago, he said, make sure you're not a damn Christian. And I didn't really know what that meant. And I thought, oh, now, now I know what he's talking about. He said, don't have something damming up those rivers. We don't want to have all this stuff on the inside of us and not be able to come out. We don't want to walk up to people. I've got so much glory on the inside of me and... Bloop, there's a little bit of it. No, we want some rivers flowing out of us. And Jesus said, if we believe on Him, if we believe on Him, this would transpire. So if I don't have that flowing out of me, what am I believing on? Am I believing on my call, my grace, my anointing? He didn't say believe on your anointing, which is good to have anointing. He didn't say believe on grace, which is good to have grace. He said, you believe on me. You exalt me. 
You magnify me and something's going to come out of you. It's called the presence of the living God, a life-giving substance called the glory of His nature. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing that everything He touches comes alive? Amen? You can tell when God gets a hold of whatever area of your life. Let Him get every area of your life and He will quicken it. It doesn't matter if you're not sleeping good at night. He'll make you sleep good at night. Come on. It'll make you where you're not thinking right. You can start thinking right today. That's how awesome He is. He fixes everything He comes in contact with. If there's an area of your life that's not right, let Him get a part of it. Hallelujah. He'll fix it. He's the quicker fixer-upper. Amen? Well, let's go over here to, to 1 Corinthians and we'll pick up where we left off. Go to 1 Corinthians 12 and let's look at these rivers for a little bit and we'll just see how far we go. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. Let's pick up with what the Holy Ghost is saying here to this church at Corinth so we can see what we can kind of dwell on right now because with the time being so short and a thought pattern of end times in the book of Acts, God did some things, if you can say it this way, via the Holy Ghost to help the church. I don't know about you, I'll take all the help I can get. It's not about me necessarily walking in a certain degree of power, which that's what we've taught them for years is authority and boldness and power. But God sets you up so He can accelerate some things. In the book of Acts, you always see the hand of the Lord helping the early church. And that's where we are right now. He's going to finish it off the exact same way that He started. Hallelujah. If you notice in the Scriptures, you can get real technical about the book of Genesis. You can get technical about the end times. It goes completely full circle. Mirrors exactly the beginning from the end. Hallelujah. So we can look at that exact same way in the book of Acts. So thank God we're finishing the book of Acts. Amen. 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 So go here to 1 Corinthians 12 and let's start with verse 1. It's page 219 if you've got a Bible like mine. He goes in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant or misinformed. Now we know the word gifts there is in italics. So I look up the word spiritual there. And really gifts is not even in this chapter really. He's talking about manifestations of the glory of the Lord. So that word spiritual there in the W vines means some of the appointed activities of the Holy Ghost in the church. We know He's our comforter. He's our guide. He's our standby. He's our teacher. He's the manifested presence of God. We know that. But He's also uh, to be active in our lives. And Paul said about these activities, do not be misinformed. Why? Because if we're misinformed about it, we'll draw back. If we think, well, the Lord can use that person that way, but He can't use me that way, then I'm kind of missing out on what God wants to do in my life because He wants some glory flowing through all of us. Amen? And this whole chapter, hang with me for a minute. I'm going to get to my message here in just a little bit. But this whole chapter is about a group of people that were so yielding to God that God had to write a chapter to them to calm them down. They came together and they were so full, God had to say, Hey, you guys need to shut up a little bit. you got so much vocal gifts in operation, you can't even get together without everybody being so full. You're just spouting off, letting her fly out. He had to tone them down by writing three chapters to them about how the Holy Ghost is supposed to operate in a service. Because they were so full. Because if you'll get full of the Holy Ghost, He'll start coming out. He just will. If you want the Lord to start using you more, stay full of the Holy Ghost, He'll start pouring out of you. You can't help it. Just like if you've got a glass of water, just like right now. I can't believe I'm going to do this, but let's just try it. Praise the Lord. Help me, Jesus. See that bottle of water right there? I can take that bottle. I can run around the church. Look, nobody's wet. Praise the Lord. Not yet. Hallelujah. Amen. The day is young. All right, so look. Look at that. I, I haven't spilt any water. I walked around with it. I could probably go over a couple of pews with it. I could walk right over you not even spill it. But watch. <laughs> Hold that just a second, doctor. Now watch what happens when you do this. Watch this one. I don't have to pray. Now watch. I'm not going to pray a word. Watch. I'm not going to pray. 
you get enough water in here, you don't have to pray. It's going to come out. Well, oh, Father, may you flow out of this bottle. No, you don't need to pray that it flow out of the bottle. You get it full, it's going to start coming out of the bottle. The more I start moving around when I'm full, it's going to start coming out. I can be careful as I want, but I can't help it. It's going to come out. So it's not about necessarily having to pray that the Lord will use you. You stay full of the Holy Ghost, He's going to use you. He's going to come out. Now here, they were so full at the church at Corinth, God had to say, calm down. Now when I came in this stuff when I was a little kid, we'd come to service and every single time there'd be a tongue, there'd be interpretation, the Holy Ghost would begin to move. And see, we got so full and got so what we call charismatic and then we kind of toned down and got real sophisticated. We wanted to make sure everybody accepted us. And we wanted to make sure we didn't offend anybody. And we so kind of put the Holy Ghost on the back burner to the point that even now when you talk about gifts of the Spirit, there's almost been a whole uh, a pendulum swing the other way because we had to deal with so much of authority to get us to operate in what we have. Well, you need to operate in what you have, but you need to be ready for heaven to flow through you everywhere you go. So here Paul said about these activities of the Holy Ghost, don't be misinformed. Because if you're misinformed about them, you'll, you'll draw back. So let's go down and look at some more here. Let's skip down to verse 4. He says, There are diversities of, op- diversities of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but it's the same Lord. Verse 6, There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God, which works all in all. He says in verse 8, I like this. It says in verse number 8, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith or special faith by the same Spirit, another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. He says, But all these worketh that one and self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. We know these rivers are manifestations or as the Spirit wills. But God's trying to get the church in a position that everywhere you go, He will flow through you. Because Jesus said, it'll flow through you. And the Scripture even talked about what He said. This spake He of the Spirit that they that believe on Him should receive. So here Paul's talking about a whole chapter here about how the Holy Ghost is going to flow through you. And he lists nine different types of rivers. And we get caught up on what they are, but there's power rivers, vocal rivers, revelation rivers. We know what the power rivers are, working of miracles, special faith, gifts of healings. We know what the revelation rivers are, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. We know what the vocal rivers are, prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, all these things are harvesting tools. We know we have nine different fruits of the Spirit. What are they for? They're for character, mercy, kindness, faithfulness. We know those, those grow. But the gifts of the Spirit are what we're supposed to yield to. They're manifestations of the Holy Ghost. And we know heaven right now is trying to accelerate some things to get people saved. And so you see in the book of Acts, you see activities of the Holy Ghost. You see an angel appearing to Cornelius. The angel didn't go, hey, man, Cornelius, I'm going to make you a great preacher. No, he said, you go down and find out some words where you can be born again. You see in Acts chapter 9, Jesus appearing to Ananias. Acts chapter 8, you see Philip preaching and the Holy Ghost begins to pour out. Acts chapter 7, you see a manifestation of the glory of the Lord all throughout the beginning of the book of Acts. And it is not supposed to stop. It's supposed to continue. So Paul said about these manifestations, be informed comprehend how he operates so that you can hook up with him and go hey I I want to flow with God he's always wanting to give life everywhere he goes so look at the next verse look at verse 12 I believe it is he says in verse 12 I like it it says for the body is one hath many members 
and all the members of that one body, being many or one body, so also is Christ. So he begins to talk about the individual parts of the body. And religion made his focus on, well, if you're a certain part, then you can operate in this, when really he's talking to the whole body of Christ, indicating that every part of the body needs to be paying more attention, really, than what we would call gift ministries. Because this whole season is about believers doing miracles. You know, years ago I had this vision. Hang with me. I'm going to get to my message here in just a minute. Years ago I had this vision. How many are so glad you came this morning? Come on now. How many are glad you're here not in surgery? Praise the Lord. It's better to be in church than surgery. I had this vision years ago. I was going to Bible school in 1980, and uh, I was going to Ramah. I'll never forget it. In this vision, I saw it was like a TV studio. And uh, in the TV studio, I remember I thought of like a 60 Minutes program. Remember Dan Rather, how he would go in and kind of challenge people and catch them off guard. They'd bring the cameras in. And in the vision, there was a, a little TV studio. There were lights and cameras there. And they brought this man in a wheelchair, and they had these preachers up on the stage. And in the vision, they were going to say, now, it, 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 what happened in that studio was they were going to mock the preachers, saying, if healing's real, let's see you get this man out of the wheelchair. Well, all of a sudden, in the vision, a man in the the audience walked out up to the man in the wheelchair and and got him healed. said, in the name of Jesus, rise up. Messed up their whole program because the guy in the audience got the man healed before they could put the preachers on the spot. So they didn't know what to do. They were like, who is that guy that got this man healed before we can even mess with the preachers? And really, that's the whole call of the last days is all of us doing miracles, what we would consider just a few people doing. Because this whole chapter is written to the body of Christ, not preachers at Corinth. It's written to the body of Christ, not preachers at Corinth. Come on now. So in the vision, I was so shocked. I was like, man, that's pretty radical. So I told the guy I was working for at the time. I said, hey, man, I had this vision. And he gave me a, a tape from Brother Hagen from Longmont, Colorado, 1974. Brother Hagin said, he's, he said, I'm standing on the horizon of time. Man, it's a great prophecy. It's awesome. And he goes, I'm standing on the horizon of time. He said, I see a man working miracles on live TV in Dallas, Texas. He said, cameras will be trained upon him. Then all of a sudden, he'll be called away like Philip the Evangelist, and he'll show up in Los Angeles, California, and he'll be in a TV studio working miracles. He said, this is what you'll see right for the coming of the Lord. You'll see activities of the Holy Ghost. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. So everywhere I would try to go, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, I would preach on gifts of the spirit on rivers how how we're supposed to operate in this and you know what as i preached on it nobody was operating in it you could go back to my table and it was all about gifts of the spirit and i'd come back and and find out nobody's doing it so so then i realized that we had to focus on authorization that the early church didn't know about the gifts but they knew they'd been authorized even to the point that i said god's going to set the world up he's going to show them reality i was preaching in tucson arizona i said what's the most popular reality tv show this was 1991 and this man yelled out baywatch I said, that's not reality, praise the Lord. <laughs> it, was kind of, it was kind of embarrassing that he kind of let everybody know what he's thinking of. So uh, that, that's not reality. So, so it's, I, I told him, I said, God's going to set people up. Now, this was, I don't know, 18 years ago. Look at it now. You have The Apprentice. You have Top Model. You have Survivor. You have American Idol. Every, people don't want to see a script. They want to see reality. They want to see something acted out right in front of them. God has set the world up for the church to function with God so that the church can show people reality. What is reality? Jesus was raised from the dead. Not about your grace, not about your call, not about your anointing. It's all about, man, I don't even know who that guy is, but Jesus has to be with him. Come on now to where he's exalted. He's magnified. He's glorified. So we've come to this place in the body of Christ to where all the messages we've heard are to get us to function in this. And here he said about these activities, don't draw back. Don't be misinformed. Comprehend how the Holy Ghost wants to use you. 
Because my friend, he wants to show us things. He wants to enlighten us to things. We got into it last night, but let's pick up. Go over to verse 27. I'm going to try to grab up some more stuff here just a little bit. We've got about 15 hours worth of stuff we want to do in the next 20 minutes. But we can do it. Amen. Can't we? Hallelujah. Look what he says here in the next verse. Skip over to verse 27. He says, Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some of the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps governments, diversities of tongues. He says, are all apostles? Of course not. But that doesn't mean that you're off the hook. Are all prophets? Of course not. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be ready to yield to heaven. This whole season is about heaven's doing some things in a short period of time. So he says, pay attention. The body of Christ has to pay attention to get ready for this to happen. Amen? So then he goes down the last verse there and he says, covet earnestly best gifts. The best gifts. And he said, I, then he says, I'll show you a, even a better way or a higher way. We know we're to crave it. We're to hunger for these manifestations. But the, even the higher way is love, isn't it? It's all of chapter 13. We know that because we're word people. Well, it's amazing how we can be motivated. Listen, motivated and listen, moved by love or compassion. And that opens up a doorway for the Holy Ghost to flow through us. You say, I want the presence of God to flow through me. Be more merciful. Be more kind. Be more generous. Be more like Jesus. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. That one. Woo, preach it, Brother Joe. It's all over you. Be more kind. Be more generous. No, we want to have some doorways so we don't have that stuff damning up our spirit. Most people in this room aren't trying to commit adultery, aren't trying to murder people. It's just basic, simple unbelief that we think we can't function like this. Because we think, well, Benny Hinn can do that, but I can't do that. My friend, you are the body of Christ. You are Jesus in the earth. As He is, so are we in this world. You're the only Jesus most people ever come around and he's doing everything he can to enhance that walk with God so that we're not yielding to the flesh not yielding to the natural not yielding listen to the normal but we're yielding to heaven to where the Holy Ghost can flow through us and we've got some heaven in operation I don't want my flesh in operation. I want Jesus of Nazareth to flow through me. Amen. We see a picture of it when he got up on there on the Mount of Transfiguration. He told them, he said, Now listen, when you get near people, you tell them the kingdom of God's come nigh unto them. To the point that he said, All you've got to do is get close to people and you can have enough of that kingdom in operation to get them healed. And he said, some of you won't taste death until you see that kingdom. He got up on that mountain. He began to radiate that kingdom. It began to come through his eyes, began to come through his hair, began to come through his pores. He began to be white, began to glisten. It's the glory and the nature of your dad. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, you get near people, you tell them the kingdom of God's come nigh unto them. So we know we bring this to the table, but my friend, God is going to do something in the church right now. If we'll be awakened to it, he will manifest himself. It'll not be flesh. It'll not be man. It will be heaven coming through the believer. And my friend, he'll look right through your eyes. And you watch. You'll have revelation. You'll have words of knowledge. You'll have words of wisdom. And you'll see the working of miracles in operation to the point that you'll, you'll look back and go, Holy cow, how in the world did the Lord do that? And it'll be his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man whole, whom you see and know. So we have to get ready for an acceleration. We have to get ready for an increase. We have to get ready for a walk that we've heard about for years. Last night we got into a little bit about the revelation gifts. And God's going to use some things in the different manifestations of the Holy Ghost to even get us ready for the power of God. Amen. He's so, he's so nice to kind of edge us into it in a little bit. I remember years ago I had this vision. Remember it's okay for me to have vision. I'm a young man. Living in an outpouring, right? Hallelujah. Remember young men see visions, old men dream dreams. And we know Pastor Mark's been having dreams for years, so 
I know I, I say that every time. I'm sorry, praise the Lord. But it works. Hallelujah. <laughs> I remember um, I, I was attending this church as I was going to Rama. Back then there wasn't as many churches in Tulsa. But I was attending a church in Tulsa. And I had this vision. I saw the pastor of this church in Tulsa in a twin-engine airplane in a crash. The plane came down just like this and crashed like that. It looked like in a real desert place. And, and uh, I saw the pastor crawl out of the airplane in this vision. Now, this is called a word of wisdom. All right, in the vision, I saw the pastor. It's so cool. He had so much word in him that he crawled out of the airplane, put his own, he was all cut up and, and beat up and everything. He put his own hand on his own head and said, I command myself to live. Don't you love it that we can have so much word in us that even in the midst of, uh, of trial, we can command the word? And it so shocked me that, man, the plane was all broke up. It was a twin-engine airplane. He puts his hand on his head and said, I command myself to live. Well, I was so shocked about that that I was working for this guy I was, as I was going to Ramah. I told him about it. I said, man... I had this vision about this pastor here in Tulsa is in a twin-engine airplane. And he said, well, hey, did you call that guy? I said, no, I didn't call that guy. I began to pray. Now, what did I pray? I knew when I had that vision that was a word of wisdom that I was supposed to pray that it wouldn't happen. So what did I pray? I, first of all, prayed the word. I said, Lord, you've given your angels charge over this pastor. They'll keep him in all his ways. He won't even dash his foot against a stone, much less be in a plane crash. I began to speak the word over him. And, you know, over the years we've learned to pray through to where we know we pray in tongues where it's taken care of. So I'm going to pray that, that, that this will not happen. So I begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. You could call it a burden. I begin to pray that for probably about 30 to 45 minutes, maybe an hour, that everything was taken care of. They said, how do you know it's taken care of? Uh, after about 45 minutes to an hour, I knew that everything was all right. I didn't need to call that pastor. I just thought I knew everything was taken care of. Now, that was 1980 or 81. Back then, uh, he, that pastor didn't have an airplane. So seven years later, the, the guy I was working for at the time, he came walking up to me in Richmond, Virginia. He said, hey, did you hear about that pastor in Tulsa? I said, no. My ears perked up real big because he said, you remember the vision you had about him in that plane crash? I said, yeah, I remember it. He said he was taken off. Since then, he'd gotten a twin-engine airplane. That airplane had gone from almost every pastor in Tulsa. It went from like Brother Hagen had gotten it. It was from Jerry Savelle. Brother Hagen had gotten it. Then it got transferred to Willie George. Then it got transferred to Bob Yandin. Then it got transferred back to Jerry Savelle. That, that same twin-engine airplane went around to everybody. So back in 1987, that, that minister I worked for, he came walking up to me said, Hey, did you hear about that pastor? I said, No, what? He said he was taking off in, up in the, uh, Charleston, West Virginia, up in the mountains in that twin-engine airplane, and he had engine failure right there on takeoff. And he said right at the end of the runway, the pilot yelled out, Man, we're going to die because the, 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 the engine failed, and supernaturally the plane came to a stop right there at the end of the runway. God saved the man's life. Now listen, I don't believe the man's life was saved because I had a word of wisdom or warning and prayed. I believe that whole church where that man was a pastor, they begin to start yielding to the Holy Ghost. They begin to start having an unction, not a word of wisdom. They begin to have a witness that something's wrong and they need to pray. See, I was so clueless. I had to have a vision. I had to have a word of wisdom. God had to go out of His way to get me to pray, but God has raised up a group of people that I guarantee you, everybody in that church, probably that, probably two or three weeks before that pastor almost was in a plane crash. I bet that church, people begin to have a sensing. What is that? What, what is that, Lord? I need to pray for my pastor. And all of a sudden, they probably begin to decree things for their pastor and also the Holy Ghost begin to use them to degree things about their pastor next thing you know when that plane began to take off instead of going over the edge of the mountain supernaturally it comes to a stop like that so God's raised up a spiritual group of people to yield to him and yet there may be words of wisdom there may be words of knowledge but my friend God has invested this in all of us not to have an ordinary believer walk with God it's to have a supernatural walk just like Jesus, so that things that might happen in the natural never happen in the natural, and things 
that should be happening in the natural should be happening. For we have the working of miracles, special faith, gifts of healings, to where the Holy Ghost can move every time He wants to move. He doesn't have a church that would draw back, but He has the church that would say, yes, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. It's amazing. God's so smart. He has invested all these messages in us so that we would know who He is, know His personality, No, there's no death in Him, no weakness in Him, only victory. That kind of thought pattern, hang with me, that kind of thought pattern gives God a platform in your life to where you go, man, He can do anything. He's more than enough. And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost begins to come in and we start having manifestations of the Spirit of the living God. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for great grace upon the church. Great grace upon the church. Remember in Acts chapter 4? And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Listen, and there was great grace upon a couple of them? No, great grace upon them all. My friend, God has set your life up to come to the kingdom for such a time as this so that it would be right before the catching away of the saints. He would have a bold witness and a bold voice. And just as John the Baptist got the earth ready for the first coming of the Lord, you are to get the earth ready for the second coming of the Lord. Then how he's going to do it is he's going to manifest himself through you now let's pick up where we left off go back to first corinthians man i'm i'm going to get into something else for just a minute here go back to first corinthians run back there to first corinthians 12 and let's look at these for just a minute look at verse 9 he says into another faith or special faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit so we see all these manifestations there listed and he said all these worketh that one and self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he wills. We know the Spirit of God is willing to manifest. He's just looking for some place he can. He's willing to manifest. He's just looking for a vessel that will actually believe that he's alive and well. Now, let's just think about this for a minute. Oftentimes, he's wanting to manifest himself, and we're so looking for Hollywood that we almost miss a manifestation. You know what I'm saying? I remember a job I was working in. Man, I can't believe I'm going to get into all this, but hang with me. I was working a full-time job in Tulsa while I was working for these preachers. and Because uh, when I started working for the preachers, uh, they paid me 25 bucks a month and they paid me 75 bucks a month. And you know you can't live on that. So I worked three other jobs so I could work for these preachers. Everybody goes, well, well I thought you'd just go out and preach. Well, nobody wanted me to preach. I didn't want to preach either. I wanted to work for these preachers. Amen. And so, so I was working three other jobs. And you know, how it is, you know how it is with jobs. I worked with some guys that were supernatural sinners. You know what I'm saying? They could cuss in rhyme. They could make poems out of cuss words. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, I mean, they were just vile. And I was working with these guys that were part cocaine dealers, part salesmen, part whatever. If I told you stories about it, it would freak you out. But I want to show you the difference between a leading and a manifestation. I was working with these guys, and I remember I went up to the Diet Coke machine. Uh, I was talking about Diet Coke last night, so thank God somebody brought me a Diet Coke. I just want to tell you, bless the Lord for my Diet Coke right here. Amen. Um, I was going up the Diet Coke machine. Now watch. Watch how the Holy Ghost will start showing us things so that we can get used to cooperating with it. So I walked up to this Diet Coke machine. I put my money in. And as I put my money in, I'm getting my Diet Coke. I was thinking about how refreshed I would be to have a wonderful uh, cold, ice-cold Diet Coke. And all of a sudden, some money came out of the little Diet Coke machine there. And it fell on the ground. And the Lord said, I had kind of an unction like leave that money on the ground. I said, well, I'm not leaving that money on the ground. Now this is not a word of knowledge. This is an unction, like, like a leading, like a witness 
to leave that money on the ground. I thought, I ain't leaving no money on the ground because I know the Lord always leads in line with the Word. And I don't see Jesus magnified and I don't see nobody being blessed here. And the Lord reminded me, He said, you used to leave money on the ground. Now listen, when I sold real estate while I was working for these preachers, I would take change out of my pocket because I would work at the model home there and I would take quarters out and throw it on the concrete so that when people would come in the houses, they would find money on the ground. They'd be in a good mood. As sad as that may be, I used to do it. Amen. Because you know what? It just changes people's mood when they find money on the ground. You know, because guys are coming in model homes. They're like, oh, i got to go look at another house. And they go, oh, look, there's some money. There's some money. So it transforms people before they come in the model. So as I, I, as I got the Diet Coke machine there and that money fell on the ground and, and the Lord says, he, I had kind of an unction. He didn't really say, I'm God, leave the money on the ground. I had an unction to leave that money. I knew exactly what it was. I said, that, Lord, that's you. That's an unction to leave this money on the ground. I'm not leaving money on the ground. And then he said real loud and clear, well, you used to leave money on the ground when you were selling those houses. I'm like, that's exactly right. So I left the money on the ground. I went back up to where the other salesmen were, and one of the cocaine dealer guys that was a supernatural sinner, he come walking up, and he was all mad. He was cussing, blankety, 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 blank. He said, somebody left money on the ground down by the Coke machine, and some Christian guy came in to fill up the Coke machine. He was going, praise the Lord, because he found some extra money. for There's a children's home that he was trying to help there in Tulsa, so he tries to find money around the, around the Coke machines. And, man, I knew exactly what it was. It was trying to be a seed in that man's life. I said, James, I said, you know what? I left some money on the ground back there just to try to make somebody's day. He goes, you're crazy. I said, you know what? The Lord told me to leave that money on the ground. It's crazy that may sound he goes man you're nuts you're crazy i said yeah whatever but the man was blessed wasn't he he's blessed wasn't he He said praise the lord because he found some money for his children's home so that was like one day about a week later the sales group had gone over to stillwater we're going to blitz the town we're selling these office machines and i'm working with these guys i'm talking like rank vile supernatural centers a couple of them had horns growing out of their head (laughs) i I saw a tail coming in after a while i was like wow that might be the devil but anyway i mean they were just bad if i told you all stuff it's just unbelievable so i remember we had gone to lunch and we're getting ready to come back to tulsa and as i walked back toward the restroom the holy ghost here comes a manifestation here comes the word of knowledge the holy ghost said loud and clear james has a call on his life now, I'm not wondering, I'm not sensing, I know this. It's a word of knowledge. James has a call on his life. I like James has a call on his life. I told the Lord, I said, I think the devil called that guy, and he's doing a great job. I thought, Lord, have you lost your mind? You know, I'm trying to tell the Lord how bad James is. <laughs> you know, so of course, I know that, that the Lord's been trying to give a seed into this man's life to get him, get him set free and to do what he's supposed to do. I said, James, you have a, I'm thinking, you have a call in your life? I walk up to James. He's like six foot eight, big old basketball guy. So, of course, i got to walk up to him, point my finger at him. I said, James, hey, the Lord talked to me on the way back to the restroom. Because he, he already thinks I'm crazy. I said, the Lord told me you have a call on your life. He stopped and looked at me for a minute. He goes, that's right. He said, when I was, I was a teenager, the Lord told me I was supposed to preach. I've been running from it all my life. He said, in fact, he'd been going to the comedy club there in Tulsa trying to kind of give an out to that call. I said, you've got to do the will of God. You need to repent. Well, see, that's a word of knowledge. And what got me ready for that word of knowledge? Following a simple unction the week before about leaving money on the ground. Now, see, we're, we're all wanting God to manifest, but every single day He's talking to us. Every single day He's talking to us, but we want it to be Hollywood. We want it to be... We want, we want it to be like the Ten Commandments. You know, Moses part in the Red Sea. Stand forth and see the salvation. We want it to be like that. And God's going to lead you so quiet that it ain't going to be Hollywood. 
If you will fo- listen, if you'll follow the simple unctions that God gives you, it gives you a doorway where He can trust you, and you watch all of a sudden, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, there'll be revelation, revel- and all of a sudden there'll be a flow of heaven coming through you to where you don't have to worry about working knowledge, word of knowledge or working miracles, special faith. It just starts manifesting itself. Now watch how that works. Go to Acts chapter 3. I'm going to close here in just a minute. So go to Acts 3, and we see how it began to happen with Peter and John. So glad you came this morning. Look at Acts chapter 3. Remember what happened here at the beginning of the church. Watch how God helped the early church get people saved. It wasn't through just magnificent oration. It was the hand of God coming through the early church. Remember in Acts chapter 3, you know the story here, the lame man, the gate called beautiful. Remember in verse 3, who's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple. Acts 3 verse 3. Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, Look on us. He gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Look at this in verse 7. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. He, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Look at verse 9. All the people saw him walking and praising God. So you see Peter and John doing what they know to do, going to the temple to pray. See, and people go, oh, I just want to be used by God. Do what you know to do. Come to church. You know, it's amazing. Oh, God's not using me. Be faithful to hear the Word as much as you can. I mean, it's amazing how in this day that you almost have to pull yourself to hear the Word. Because in the old days, you just there was a, a momentum for you to be there. Don't, don't go, well, I just don't feel like hearing the Word. You're here on Sunday morning, and you want to hear the Word, and that's good. But make yourself feed more than you've ever fed. Make yourself feed more than you've ever fed. Because there is a bombardment of the flesh, a bombardment of the world that would keep you from yielding to heavenly things. So Peter and John weren't going, hey, I'm ready to flow with God. He's going to flow through me today. No, they were doing what they knew to do. And on their way to church, something began to happen. Out of their belly began to flow rivers of living water. We know the man was raised up and he was healed. And Peter said, hey, don't look at us as though our own holiness or power had made this man walk. He said, his name, through faith in his name, made this man whole. So all these people saw this man walking, and it was heaven assisting the early church. Look at Acts chapter 9. Skip over there for just a minute. Look at Acts 9. Look at this again. Quickly, look at Acts chapter 9. Watch this. Look, we have Peter operate here again in Acts chapter 9. Look at verse 32. And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all the quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes you whole. Arise and make your bed. And he arose immediately. Look at the next verse. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saren saw him and turned to the Lord. you got two cities turning to the Lord. Now watch, what was this? This was special faith. This was gifts of the Spirit in operation. Notice Peter walked in. He didn't say, now Aeneas, you stand on the Word and you get find out who you are in Christ and God's going to heal you. Get ready, I'm going to lay hands on you. He walks in and says, hey Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes you whole. He arose and made his bed immediately. And watch what happened. Two cities got saved. Now I'm going to give you about a five minute little teaching on special faith. Because there's been so much so much almost pushing people to not yield to the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit. And watch how special faith works. We know there's three kinds of faith in the Scripture, don't we? 
Number one, saving faith that comes by hearing, right? Faith that comes by hearing, hearing by the Word. We know there's the fruit of faith. We know faith is activated by hearing the Word, that you have faith on the inside of you right now. We know that. But there's another kind of faith called the manifestation of special faith. Now, ordinary faith, you use your own authority for you. Isn't that right? Because I can't make you get healed. If you submit yourself to me, I can use my own authority and get you healed. Okay, But you see special faith in operation when people didn't even submit to people. All of a sudden when special faith is in operation, you have authority in someone else's life that you can't have outside of the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, Because like right now, I know that I'm saved, but I can't know for you. When special faith is in operation, you know for someone else. Okay, That's how that works. It's a carrier of of miracles. I was preaching this meeting up in Michigan. I had a word of knowledge that somebody had trouble in their blood. I said it was like AIDS, but it's not full-blown AIDS. I called it out and nobody came down. You know how I do is I wait for a little bit. Finally, the mom in the back goes, well, it's my daughter right here, but she doesn't want to come down. I said, no problem. As I'm walking back toward her, the little girl shakes her head like that. There's about a 1,000 people there. I get back toward the back of the room. It says, full service church. I'll come right to you. As I got back to her, man, I felt, I felt special faith coming on me. It's a faith that would not be denied. It's not my ordinary faith. Ordinary faith would say, now, sister, you need to kind of submit and pay attention. She's shaking her head no. As I got back closer to her, she got up and she started walking out. Boy, I felt special faith come on me. It's just like a mantle. See, it's a faith that will not be denied. Not my faith, it's His faith. Because my faith would say, how dare you be that ornery that you'd mock me and turn your head like that and then get up and walk out. Well, here comes His mercy. Here comes His grace. Here comes special faith. It came on me. That girl began to walk out and said, that's all right, sis. It's okay. You're going to get healed today whether you like it or not. Well, that ain't my faith. I can tell you that right now because my faith will say, you need, to, you need to repent. Come on. Well, his faith said, you're getting healed whether you like it or not. Uh, she, as she walked off, I said, you're healed. It's all right. You can get mad at God. I said, you can curse God. Guess what? You're getting healed whether you like it or not. Now, that's the mercy of God. Come on now. She walked off, walked out of the building. I said, good night. God bless you. Drive safely. You know, try to say something goofy just to kind of downplay this lady walking out while I'm trying to pray for her. Next night we come in, the, the, mom, the mom that raised her hand says, it's my daughter back here. She said, I took my daughter to the doctor today and he checked her blood. He said, I don't understand it. Your blood's perfect. Yeah. You're, you're completely well. So here's a girl that didn't even want to get prayed for and gets her blood healed, doesn't even want to get prayed for. I said, man, I like that special faith. That's kind of weird, man. So here, all of a sudden, I have authority in her life that I don't normally have. Now, if she submits herself to me, I can use my own authority and get her healed. You understand what I'm saying? I can bring something to the table that will bless her. But all of a sudden, that gift's an operation. He's so merciful, she got healed whether she liked it or not. That's the gifts of the Spirit operation. I remember a meeting I was in in Memphis. I had a word of knowledge that somebody had uh, arthritis. About a 17-year-old girl stood up right over here, and I said, well, get ready for the Lord to heal you. I said, you ready for the Lord to heal you? She goes, no. I mean, just right there in front of everybody. I went, wow, okay. <laughs> so it wasn't my faith because I didn't even want to pray for her then. <laughs> and then it wasn't her faith because she said no. And, boy, I felt something come on me that was greater in my faith. I said, I command you to be a special faith. It's a faith that not be denied. I said, you know what? You're getting healed whether you like it or not. I said, I command you to be healed. Next thing I had a word of knowledge. I said, there's a lady here. She's in a car wreck. I said, you hurt your back and your hip. This lady came down in a walker. Now watch. She came down in a walker. She came right down to the front. She got her walker come walking right down the front. I just prayed for the 17-year-old about her arthritis. 
And the lady's standing in front of me that has the walker. I said, lady, take off. Here comes the word of the Lord. The Lord said, tell her, take off running. She'll be healed. Now, that's special faith. That's not ordinary faith. Ordinary faith said, I lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. The Lord said, tell her to take off running. She'll be healed. She looked at me. She goes, I got a walker. I said, I know. I can see you. <laughs> she, I said, take off running. She'll be healed. And she goes, I said, I said, you take off running. You'll be healed right now. She took her walker. Went like that, started going like that, as best she could, you know. The church was kind of in an incline. It was kind of like an amphitheater. She got up the top of the hill like that. All of a sudden, the 17-year-old over here started screaming. She said, it's going all over me. It's going all over me. I said, I told you you were healed a while ago. She's going, oh, my God. She said, it's going all over me like warm honey. I said, that's the presence of God. Meanwhile, the lady's in the car wreck. She's worked her way back around over here. She's got that walker, and she's holding it, walking like this, swinging her walker like this. <laughs> As we've had the testimony from that lady, she's come around like that. I said, man, I like that special faith. I would never tell a lady in a walker to take off running. I'd say, now, ma'am, I'm glad you're healed, but be careful on your way back to your seat even though you are healed. But, you know, faith is always an act. I'm going to make people act. Now, see, ordinary faith is an act, and I'm going to make people act. I told the story yesterday morning. Now, this is the platform for special faith. I told the story about Colleen, my sweet wife. We're in Tulsa. We'd gone to, this, to Winter Bible. I'd missed you guys by a couple of days. I guess it was Friday night. We'd gone to Winter Bible, and we went over to some folks' house after the service. And as we went over to the house, my daughter's with me and Colleen, and they're going to get out of the car. We pulled up in uh, this house as a circular drive, Joe and Amy Dunnick's house. As I pulled in the, Dun the Dunnick's driveway there, there was a car in front of me. So I told Colleen, my sweet wife and daughter, I said, you guys go in that door right there. And, and there was another front door that people usually go in. I said, but go in that side door right there. Well, as they got out, they looked through the window and saw my, my sister and, and, and my brother-in-law and different people. And they said, look, there's so-and-so. There's my cousin Zach and all that. Well, they didn't, I didn't see them. I backed around like that and ran over my wife. Oh. It, my tire went over my wife's leg, went up to her heel like that under her calf. She screamed bloody murder. I knew exactly what it was. I pulled forward. Oh, my God, I just ran over my wife. I come out of the car right there. My wife's laying on the ground screaming. Okay, now watch. This is a platform for special faith. This isn't special faith. My wife is screaming on the ground. I walked right over to her, and what I've learned over the years, I said, I command you to be healed right now in Jesus' name. I said, stand up on your feet. She looked at me like, are you crazy? <laughs> you know that look. <laughs> like, have you lost your mind? I said, stand up right now. And I picked her up, and all of a sudden it came on her like a, like a, like a heat. It was like 150 degrees. came on her body. It went up and down her body like an x-ray. She goes, that's the power of God going all over me. I said, it sure is. She went just like that. We walked right into the house. After me running over her leg and her calf and her heel being caught underneath the tire, walked into the house. How's it going? Talked to all of our family, all of our friends. The next day I flew to Orlando. She flew back to California. I called my baby. I said, baby, how are you doing? She goes, well, I'm jogging the neighborhood. <laughs> now, that's not special faith. That's ordinary faith because I have authority there. She, she's my wife. And I have authority in your life if you'll submit yourself to me. But when special faith's in operation, now watch, this is how God will do it outside the church. When special faith's in operation, all of a sudden you have authority in someone else's life that you don't normally have. But what is the platform for that? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And my friend, God has raised all of us up to give God something to work with. Come on, to give God something to work with where He doesn't have an unbelieving church. He has a believing church that believes that He is. Why, we had a whole thing called the healing revival to where God moved for 10 years to where there were miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Just supernatural. 
Remember Brother Shambach had a guy that had a glass eye. Remember that story? About the guy with the glass eye? He's going to start a church in New Jersey. He wrote the newspaper and said, I want you to do my article about Jesus because they said, we're not going to do your article about Jesus. There's too much Jesus in it. Don't you love that? (laughs) (laughs) And so he wrote him and said, hey, I have a phenomenon. He said, I got a guy that has a glass eye that can see out of the glass eye as a continual working of miracle. They said, well, you're crazy. He said, well, I'll prove it to you. They got the, uh, uh, what do you call them, the ophthalmologist to come down. They got the doctors to come down. They got the guy with the glass eye. They, had, they put the, the piece of paper over his glass, over his good eye, and they held the stuff over his glass eye. And then all of a sudden they put the thing over it, opened up just to his glass eye, and he begins to read all the stuff they put in front of him. Now, out of a glass eye, he's reading out of it. And they said, man, this is pretty wild. He said, well, hold on, let's take a little step further. He pulls the glass eye out and reads out of that hole out of his head. Yeah, hello. I preached in the church in Joaquin, Texas. He'd been there the week before I'd been there. They said, yeah, the guy with the glass eye was here last week. I was like, glory to God. Well, guess what? They wrote Brother Shambach's article about Jesus. Come on now. So see, why is that? Because Brother Shambach brings something to the table. He believes. Well, why have we heard and heard and heard and heard and heard? So that we will believe, not so that we can just be set free. We bring something to the platform to where God can use us in the miraculous and show that He was raised from the dead. You say, you, you really think i got to do that? No, I don't really think you've got to do that. I know that you have to do that. Yes. God hasn't invested all this in us just to go, I love you, Lord. <laughs> Come on now. You're the same, and let's worship you, but don't use me. I couldn't do that. There's no way I could do that. See, that's just unbelief. That's fear. Whereas there's something on the inside of you that tells every one of us, it's my destiny to function just like Jesus. Now, when it comes to all these manifestations, Paul wrote this letter to this church to get them reacquainted with how these rivers operate. He's life everlasting. You'll see children speak to people. They'll speak a word. It'll be special faith, work of miracles. They've already been working on their own authority. You watch, you'll see children work miracles. You'll see people burn beyond recognition. You'll see people that are mentally retarded, boom, made straight, just like that. You'll see manifestations of the glory of the Lord as we finish the church age just like it started. God knows exactly what He's doing. Hallelujah. Well, how cool will it be? Like in Acts 9, two cities were turned to the Lord. I've never seen two cities turn to the Lord of you. If it happened in the early rain, it can happen right now. Come on. So the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So before the coming of the Lord, let's heighten our awareness of how the Spirit of the living God wants to use us. Let's be a blessing in our workplace. Let's be merciful. Let's be kind. Let's let the fruits of the Spirit match the gifts of the Spirit. Let's let the authority we've learned bless us and let it bring to the table something to bless others. Let's lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Let's witness more than we've ever witnessed. And let's get more people saved in a short period of time than any generation ever. Hallelujah. Right now, every tongue, every nation, every kindred is hearing of His glory. What will we do in this region right here in Boise? What will we do? God's given this church a a destiny, a, a plan to reach this whole region. And God's raised you up to do it. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's yield to Him before we are raptured. Before we're called up, let it be said of this generation, they walked with God. They were God's friend in the earth. They were God's spokesman in the earth. They were the body of Christ before they were called up. Amen. Let's pray before we go. Lord, we love you. We love you. We anticipate heavenly activity. We anticipate the glory of the Lord. We anticipate all that heaven would have for us 
before Jesus comes. Father, I thank you for blessing this congregation. Lord, we're so grateful we get to see all this before we leave. Thank you for blessing every person that came, their households, their families. Lord, we thank you for great grace upon all of our lives. We give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name.